prayer. Lord, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Actually, aware that three main holidays, holy days in the church calendar. You know, because we typically think of two when we think of the church calendar year. We think of Christmas and Easter, right? Because that's when most people go to church, Christmas and Easter. But we don't often think of Pentecost as being one of the big church holidays or holy days. And yet throughout the church history up until recent times, it really has been. To this extreme, over a dozen European countries, Pentecost is a national, secular holiday. I don't know how many of you know that. And we're talking about European countries where church attendance is anywhere from 1% to 4% of the population on any given Sunday. So that puts it in perspective. I mean, the word holiday actually comes from the word holy day. But in fact, a lot of people think about Christmas as possibly a holy day, certainly a holiday. They think about Easter that way. But most people, Pentecost is lost on them. And I think there's a reason for that. Because the whole notion and idea of Christmas... And Easter, we think about Jesus and what Christmas means because of Jesus and what it meant to Jesus. But see, Pentecost is really about us and about us changing. And it's safer to think about Jesus and the impact of those days on him that Jesus was born. God incarnate, that Jesus died and then rose again. But Pentecost is about us being transformed, changed by the power of the Holy Spirit, about us being involved in ministry and mission. And see, a lot of people want to dodge that. They want to avoid that. I mean, they want to do kind of status quo Christianity, safe Christianity, just my own thing Christianity, but not really being stretched and not going beyond. Not sacrificial service. And that's why Pentecost, for many Christians, has been lost really as a focus. And in fact, Pentecost has a multi-layered meaning. It actually began as a Jewish feast long before it was a Christian feast. And God, in his wisdom, layered it in such a way that what it meant for Judaism would then find fulfillment in the church. And what it meant for Judaism, the twofold meaning that it had, 
would not only carry through to the church, but would be multiplied by the church. Let me tell you what I mean by that. And try to hang with me here. Pentecost first were first introduced to the feast or the festival in Exodus chapter 34. It's right around the time that the Ten Commandments were given to the people of Israel at Mount Sinai. So it has that sense of God's Passover people. They've experienced salvation. And now this new community is going to be defined by what it means to love God and love other people by these two tablets, these commandments that are outlining what it means to be God's people. It's this first fruits. It's this ingathering of God's people. You see the same idea and notion in the book of Deuteronomy. And then you go on to the book of Ruth. And if you know anything about the book of Ruth, when she's introduced to Boaz, it's around this harvest festival that is around the same time as Pentecost, which is the first harvest. And so it's these first fruits, this first harvest gathering and celebration of Pentecost. So it has these twofold meaning of first fruits and the definition and celebration of God's people being defined. Fast forward to the New Testament. Fifty days after Jesus rose again from the dead, the feast of all things Pentecost, Penta 550, so it's easy to remember for Christians, you find the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that A, redefines God's people, and B, is the first fruits in gathering of this new community, the church. That's the way prophecy oftentimes works with God. In the Old Testament, you see how prophecy is layered over and over again, how sometimes prophecy will refer to God's people And then it will refer to the coming Messiah. And then it will refer to even his second coming. Look at Isaiah 61 that's oftentimes read at memorial services and funerals. How it talks about the Spirit of the Lord God being upon me. Isaiah. And then it talks about the good news being preached. Jesus. And then it also talks about the day of judgment when Jesus comes again. All layered upon each other in three short verses. It's amazing how God works with prophecy and with feasts and festivals. Now, many of you have experienced this whole idea of something, something being multi-layered, and you're not even aware of it, some of you at least. I don't know if you know that. And I'm going to give you an example of this so that you have this experience of how it works. Nursery rhymes. I'm going to start a nursery rhyme, and some of you are going to keep going on it. Mary, Mary. There you go. Do you know what that is about? It's about Mary, Queen of Scots, Bloody Mary, and silver bells and cockle shells are instruments of torture. Did you know that? I'll tell you that silver bells are about thumbscrews. I'm not even going to begin to tell you what cockle shells are about. 
But that's what that nursery rhyme is about. There's other speculations that it actually could mean a couple of other things. Some would say Mary, the mother of God. Some would say a different Queen Mary. Look it up. It's really kind of fascinating. Here's another one for you. Baba Black Sheep. That's about taxation. Taxing of wool. 1200s, 1300s, some would say 16 and 1700s. It would carry over to the United States taxation without representation and would have an influence on the American Revolution. You're getting a history lesson. You didn't even know that. Here's another one for you. Hot cross buns. Yeah. That's, you, know, you know what made that famous, interestingly enough? Charles Dickens and the movie Oliver. Hot cross buns. Hot cross. I won't sing. But it's connected to Good Friday and Easter Sunday. And that's really when they're sold, a lot of those buns are sold. But it's fascinating. People came up to me after the last service and they said, you know, what about a tisket a tasket? I don't know how many of you know what that's about. That's about the plague. And three blind mice, three blind mice. That's about bishops Cranmer, Ridley, and Latimer being martyred. We could go on and on about these nursery rhymes. They all have kind of sordid meanings, by the way. And you all thought it was sweet and innocent and really nice to memorize. But see, that's, that's the point. They were told to tell stories, but they had hidden meaning to them. And it's really fascinating to begin to discover that oftentimes the Bible has layered meanings and God in His wisdom had that in mind sometimes with something like Pentecost so that you would discover the full impact and what it means to be the people of God. And what it meant not only just for the Jews in the Old Testament, but what it means for Christians today. That what Pentecost did for us was redefine what it means for us to be the people of God. If you look at what Pentecost, the full impact of Pentecost is about. And Jesus even foreshadowed it twice. In the upper room, before the resurrection, before the cross and the resurrection, and then He foreshadowed it again after the resurrection. Before, when he was talking about the Holy Spirit. And he says, I give you peace that the world cannot understand. Why? Because the world has not received the Holy Spirit. The world is not interested oftentimes in the truth. And he goes on to talk about the Spirit of truth. It's in John 14. That's before the cross and the resurrection. And then when he shows up in the upper room, this is the gospel reading for today. The first word out of his mouth is peace. Why? Because he knows they desperately need peace. The world desperately needs peace. Our lives are so often so filled with turmoil and tension and struggle 
They're busy. We're distracted. We have pain in our lives. We have brokenness. We have sin and failure. We need peace. In the upper room, they were fearful. They had lost direction. They had lost their guide. Even though they had Mary Magdalene say to them, I've seen the risen Lord. They had Clopas and his wife run back from the road to Emmaus and say, we've seen the risen Lord. They had John and Peter say, we've seen the empty tomb. And they were still filled with fear and locked in the upper room. We have so much fear and distraction and struggling in our lives. We want peace. And it's the first word that Jesus offers. Peace be with you. Secondly, they wanted forgiveness. Second realization that they would have is that they've seen the risen Lord and they knew they blew it. They had deserted him. They didn't believe him when he said he was going to die and he was going to rise again. And they see him risen and they think, we really did mess up, didn't we? And he gave them forgiveness automatically. And he goes on to say, I send you into the world. Whoever sins, you forgive, they are forgiven. In other words, you need to bring this forgiveness that I went to the cross for, that I died on the cross for people's sin. You need to bring this message to the world because they need it too. That's what's causing brokenness in people's lives. That's what's causing a lack of peace in people's lives. That's what's causing fear in people's lives. That's what they need. Peace and forgiveness. The fruit of the Spirit and the Gospel. So basic. So basic. So then we come to Pentecost. By the way, if you saw your bulletin, it's called Wit Sunday. There's another little layer there. Wit Sunday, that goes back to England, white. It's a day of baptism. Guess what we're doing today? Baptizing little Harris. Harris Hansen Cook. Celebrating that new life. Pentecost. When Pentecost happened, the wind blew. The wind blew to that same upper room where Jesus promised, where Jesus came and showed himself, revealed himself as the risen Lord. 
Where Jesus said to Nicodemus, the wind will blow as he wills. Where Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born from above, born again. And that's when the wind can enter. And they were praying fervently in that upper room. And a powerful wind blew in. The Holy Spirit came upon them. See, there's many Christians who really never have realized the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives. Because it's just not about being mundane in your faith. It's about experiencing that power, that transforming power that takes you from being locked in your faith and hidden that the world has no idea that you're a Christian because there's no difference in your life from the world. That this wind rushes into your heart and into your life. And then the fire appears because you're passionate. You're passionate. And you're changed. And the Lord defines His church. Because what happened that day was 3,000 people came to faith. The first harvest. The first harvest. The Pentecost. There it is. And the new community was defined. How were they defined? Acts 2.42. And they continued in the apostles' teaching. The Ten Commandments were a part of that. But so were the words of Jesus. And the rest of Scripture. They continued in the apostles' teaching. We need to know the Word of God. We need to be in Bible study. We need to be in small groups. We need to be growing constantly in the knowledge and love of the Lord. They continued in the apostles' teaching and fellowship. That's one of the aspects that defines the new community. The apostles' teaching and the fellowship. Fellowship means that we gather together on a regular basis, growing together. You can't be a part of the fellowship of the church if you're out there on your own. You can't be. You've got to be connected. That's what the early church knew. They called it koinonia, sharing life together. That's how you keep the flame alive. The breaking of bread, that's insider language for sharing communion. Regular worship. More than Christmas and Easter. More than even Christmas and Easter and Pentecost. Regular worship. And prayer, every day, praying for, praying with other believers so that the Holy Spirit has room to move. A Pentecost church.
Acts 2.43. Awe and wonder and mighty acts. That's what the early church experienced. Why? Because there were changed lives. The greatest work of the Holy Spirit is for your life to change. For you to experience the passion and the fire of the Holy Spirit. That's the greatest miracle of all. For your eternal destiny to change. That's the greatest miracle of all. And healing, and generosity, and kindness, and the fruit of the Spirit. That's the church. Being the church. On wonder. And the Lord is worshipped and glorified because of that. The Lord is worshipped and glorified. Acts 2.47, as the community continues to be defined, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The community witnesses and shares the gospel. This is now the third sermon in a row I've talked about that. If you've caught it, we can't help it. And it doesn't matter what language you share it in. And it doesn't matter how clumsily you share it in. The Lord can take it and use it. Because He loves you. Because He loves other people. And He wants to reach people with the Gospel. We need to be a Pentecost church. Not just the Christmas and Easter church. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with the passion. Because we love the Lord. And we love each other. And we want to go out into the world. And that's what defines the new community. Pentecost defines the new community. Let's be a Pentecost church. We're about to do a baptism. Great time to renew your vows. While we baptize this really excited little baby, just look at it. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for the gift of your son that brought salvation to your church and the gift of your Holy Spirit that brings your church life and passion. Lord, we pray that we might be that kind of church. That we might be a church that continues in the apostles' teaching and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and the prayers where awe and wonder is a part of our fellowship and that we might add to our numbers because we are witnessing and a church that shares the gospel because we're filled with passion for you and love for others 
And we seek to bring you glory. Lord, make us this kind of church. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.